some people love Shakespeare, others not so much. But a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theatre at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org. Today on CityCast DC, DC has its very own style that really sticks with you, and nobody knows that more than DC rap legend Kokai. He joins us today to talk about his new book called You Are Ketchup and how DC has influenced everything in his life, from the music he makes to where he sends his kids to school. It's Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Okay, what is it about DC that has inspired your music? Is it the sound of the city, the rhythm of the city, all of it? Is there something that you think is quintessentially DC? It's all of the above, right? DC is a space that is very unique. We're not Northern, we're not Southern. Some people will say we are Southern by our accents, but we refer to ourselves as the Middle East. We're like middle of the East Coast. We have some Southern sensibilities and some Northern sensibilities, and we have our own indigenous music, uh, which is go-go. It's very, very DC-centric and DC-specific. You've heard the contributions of DC musicians all over throughout your life. If you listen to anything from the 80s, any salt and pepper, any of those songs, anytime you heard some stuff from uh, Public Enemy, Drop the Bomb, all that stuff was from Trouble Funk. You heard Chuck Brown influences with Shaggy Tambourine. You hear all of these influences within different genres of music, but a lot of times go-go music doesn't really make it on a larger stage. Except for, I think that was Glenn Close who was doing the butt at the Oscars, which was amazing. What would you say DC's hip hop and rap scene is like today? It's amazing. You have to understand, being from D.C., there's a chip that rests heavily on the shoulders of most D.C. residents. And at the onset of hip-hop being introduced into D.C., there was a rivalry, partially because of pharmaceutical distributions that were happening throughout the city. If you get Uh-oh. Me. Right. <laughs> um, and there was a rivalry between you know D.C. and New York. And we were like, New York people ain't coming down here taking whatever we got. And so if you rapped, like rap, rap, like hip hop rap, they were like, oh, you're trying to be like you're from New York. And that's not happening. So there was a very, very small group of individuals that were doing things. You had, you know, Section 8 Mob, you had Infinite Loop, you had like there were different crews in the city that were all, you know, hip hop artists. And we would all gather or wind up at the same clubs. And then you started running into people like from Virginia and Maryland that were also doing hip-hop in this city where go-go was the dominant force. And you can even go back and look in the history books and find old videos of Red Man and Method Man playing with the go-go band, uh, Dougie Fresh with the go-go band, because most rappers, national rappers who were, you know, because DC is a top-tier buyer's market for, for music and entertainment. So they will come through town and they learned early on that you do not follow a go-go band because half the audience will walk out. 
And so the rappers at that time would come and they'd be like, either we're going to open for the go-go band or we're going to play with a go-go band. Keep, keep an audience. And coming in with rap was definitely a who. So uh, growing up in that era of the city, there weren't many of us. And then as things got popular, it was what I call a pre-Wale, post-Wale time, right? So pre-Wale, you had groups that were doing things and you had people that were making noise and people getting major records, nonchalant, stinky dink. Um, you had Opus, which was the group that I was in. We had a major record deal with a label overseas with BMG France. You had Team Demolition, where I, I saw their records in Paris long before, you know, Wale came out or anybody like that came out. So you would see people, Boo Boo the Fool and the All-Star Swim Team, Section 8 Mob, had videos with Morgan Freeman, like long before Wale hits the scene. And then when Wale hits the scene, the national spotlight lights up on him. And actually, it was Wale and Tabby Bonet. Because uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Tabby, like kind of paving the way at the same time. And, pa- and Tabby had BET lockdown. So Tabby's videos were always on. Sice uh, uh, um, put me in the socket. Like he had a whole bunch of joints that were just running on 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 uh, BET at the time and VH1, I believe. And then Wale had the streets. So as soon as he put out Dig Dug, it was a problem. And Alizé was part of, you know, making that happen and getting them on radio. Yeah, I have to say Wale's um, mixtape that is Seinfeld inspired was yeah. one, is one of my favorite all time records. I put the it on all the time. Mixtape about nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. funny, yeah, and it's yeah, also yeah. just so good. Yeah. but also funny. Yeah, he's an amazing artist for sure. Who are some up and coming artists in DC to watch right now? Oh my God, yeah, so many. You have, uh, you know, Junie is kind of from the area, but he's more Baltimore. But then you have, you know, yeah, like Lil Dude. There's so many artists that are coming out of D.C. It's crazy. Like Bo Young Prince, who's on Def Jam. You got um, O Slice is dope. She's coming up. You got, you know, you got all the new rap. I mean, it's a it's a bunch of rappers that are that are there. Too many to name, actually. So if someone wants to be put on to new D.C. talent, like the fresh talent, the people who might not be getting enough shine, where can folks go to find these voices? Follow Maiden and DMV. Um, on Instagram, and they always are popping up with who's the tight rappers, who's the dope new journalists, who's the dope photographers. Like they put out these polls, you know, and listing polls. Some people agree with them, some people don't. But what I like about listing polls is they start conversations. Um, and so there's people to watch. So you you check out Made in the DMV for that, or you can check out like the Factory. Uh, and I think it's without any vowels, F C T R Y, the Factory with Matt Jackson and them. They're always doing stuff. If you hit up Alizé's page, you'll see Alizé is working, you know, working with new people. Um, And you can just always like tap in, just put DMV hip hop in the hashtag and just go find it. See what's going on. And you still got folks like Tone P still working in the city. You have uh, Udo Gray, who started 24-7 Artists, which is an artist platform to help folks get into the business, who still taps in with DC artists. Uh, myself, I always talk about folks from home. I'm always forever, ever, ever going to support folks that come from the city because that's just that's just who I am. And I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that people hear about my music. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma, D.C. community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets, and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. 
With a quick walk to the metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearboratacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. Okay, so take me back. How did you initially get into music in the first place? I come from a family full of musicians or musically inclined people. I was listening to records with my dad in the basement, all these jazz records and and Cuban jazz records because he was in the Afro-Cuban music. Itakete, uh, you know, Dizzy Gillespie, Shorty Rogers. In high school, I was in a rap group. And in middle school, I was taking piano lessons. So all of this stuff, my older sisters and my brother were into different types of music. So my older sisters were more into funk, P-funk, Zap, uh, Prince. And my brother was into Kiss, Cabaret Voltaire, Jimi Hendrix, um, you know, punk music. He was in all of that. And he was the one that introduced me to hip hop. So These are some really diverse influences. I have a strange upbringing. So I spent five years in Germany when I was a kid. My father was a Marine, but he worked for the army. He moved us to Mannheim, Germany. So I was, you know, wie geht's in Sprechen Sie Deutsch with the, with the folks. And then when I got back to DC, I was just thrown into this, this mix of influences and going to an all black city and all black neighborhood you know, mostly all black, right? So I didn't see, you know, white people or other people of color, except for white Mikey who lived across the street from me for years. And then when I graduated high school, going to college, I went to school to be an electrical engineer. I had no hopes of being a musician, no idea wanting to be a musician or anything like that. And as I kept, you know, going to math class at 7.30 in the morning, hitting the calculus class and quantum mathematics classes, I was like, yo, this is not the wave. And that was it. I just, you know, left school, got a job, and then ran back into my high school rap partner. He invited me to this place called Freestyle Union. Um, And at Freestyle Union, that's all we practiced was the art of freestyle, improvisational lyrics. And then there was a producer that walked in and said, hey, I want to make a record with you guys. And we're like, yeah, whatever, dude, you're lying. (laughs) And he was was serious. And then uh, we start recording. And the second day, he says, yeah, man, I got some cats from Philly that's going to come up. And then uh, this dude that I had no idea, dude with a big old afro, Questlove, and the MC that was on the mic was Black Thought. Wow. That's, that's, that's like one of those amazing origin stories that you always hear about or read about in people's memoirs, but actually you lived it. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I mean, it was like, you know, that's part of the reason why I, uh, I started jotting notes down to write a book because of the experiences that I was having. I look at my life as not uh, extraordinary but extraordinary at the same time. Like, I feel like I'm a regular person that's out here trying to hustle and do what he has to do and perform and use my art as catharsis. But at the same time, some of the things that have happened, I'm like, yo, how did that happen? Like, I don't even understand how this even went down. And that's what's been amazing about my life. It's like your acronym. What is it? Uh, Ka? What is it? Um, Keep a hustle. Keep a hustle. Keep a hustle. hustle. You're, You're living your acronyms. Yeah, thank you. Let's talk about your book, which is part memoir, part career, kind of self-help book. Uh, the title is You Are Ketchup. Yes. You really have a way with words. I have to ask, where did you come up with this? I had a, a teaching series. So I was, you know, I, I mentor folks, but I also would do a class. Um, and this class was basically like music business 101. And I call that class sound advice. 
And when I was putting- That's so clever. What a clever name. Thank you. And so when I was putting the PowerPoint together, um, I was just like, you know what? What am I going to say to folks? I hate people that pee on people's dreams. So when you want to get in the industry, they're like, oh man, you suck. Like, right? They're not going to give you any, you know, constructive criticism. So what do you say to people that kind of gets them acclimated and understanding what their position is when they step in this business? And the best way to, you know, figure that out, I just wrote these words on the page. You are ketchup, right? And what that meant was to this music industry, Though you have a love for music, you've been singing since you was two, right? You got perfect pitch. You killing the game. In this music industry, though, you are about as important as a packet or bottle of ketchup. That's it. (laughs) That's it. I mean, no, seriously, in the business of entertainment, you are about as important as they're trying to buy and sell your goods. That's not to diminish who you are. That's just to give you perspective on what the industry sees you as and how you should view yourself so that your ego don't step in the way and make you help you make bad decisions. Right. Is that something that you see a lot of with with my younger artists? I've seen old folks who are, you know, so stuck in their ways and still believe that the music business is the same as it was in the 80s. Right. And then you got the, all the brand new folks that just believe if they do one song and put out a little video they did on their iPhone, that that's going to be the hit. All of those things have anomalies. Right. But those are the anomalies. What do you do when this is your everyday thing and you got 14 listeners? Talent is great. Great music is killing. But in this new business, it's like, yo, son, are you um, doing what you're supposed to do? Like, do you have followers? Do you have, you know, what's your social engagement look like? Like, I hear these things when I go to meetings. They're like, really? Well, your social engagement has been about 25%, and you currently have 13,000 followers, which really isn't enough for a full deal. They go straight to the numbers. Yeah, it's this is really good advice. It's like I often hear people in the podcast space be like, oh, just start a podcast. People will listen. It'll be successful. And it's like, you don't, you don't want to yuck anybody's yum. But in 2022, when there are so many different people competing in the space, just starting it is not necessarily the most realistic advice. Exactly. Just start starting it is great advice, right? I'm, I, I would say that it's great advice. Starting it is great advice. The better advice is be consistent. The even better advice is don't worry about the lows. The even better advice than that is what's going to make you keep going and what is special about your podcast and have you even done that work to drill down to figure out what that is. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you have this thing that I love, the acronyms. One of them is ABC, always be conscious. And so I have to ask you, how are you conscious about what DC is and your sort of place in it? Like, where do you fit into what DC is to you? Well, I mean, I don't have any choice, right? Like, I'm just keeping it a solid being with you. Like, I, A, I live in the city, like in the city. So I live in Northeast. I bought a house in Northeast. I raised my kids in the city, but I also raised my kids with a global mindset, right? You can travel anywhere. You can go be anywhere in the world. You can live anywhere in the world. However, the lessons that you will learn from this city will stay with you for the rest of your life. So my kids took the train. My kids know what a BAM is. My kids know about getting carried. I also wanted my kids to be around diverse types of people. DC is very diverse. So you got white kids, you got black kids, you got Ethiopian kids, you got Latino kids. You have you know kids that speak multiple languages. I don't necessarily want to stay here for the rest of my life, but I love my accent. 
I love the music that I come from. I love my people. I love, you know, what this city represents. I love the fact that we've had black mayors forever. I love the fact that I grew up in a city where the mailman, the bar owner, the, you know, barber, the church, everybody black, right? Liquor store person was black. Like everybody was black. And so growing up with that understanding, my and my parents were unapologetically black. So they were like, this is who you are as a person, right? You have to understand this because growing up black in America is very different than anybody else, no matter what anybody says, right? There's assimilations that happen in other cultures. There's other cultures that get accepted. And so growing up in this city was, you know, it was definitely a understanding of who you are as a person. And then the politics of the country are also discussed amongst everybody from the barbershop owner to the senator. We knew what senators were creeping before the rest of the world knew what senators were creeping. We know what the mayor was doing before everybody else knew. We were already hip, right? And so when you take that perspective out into the world, there's no way you don't keep that. DC is one of them places that puts just like tattoos, it's indelible. It ain't coming out. I love that. I love I love the way you speak about the city and your whole philosophy about the city. It's my it's my home. Like it's one of those places. It's like there's not going to be another home. Right. Home is home. And I root for everybody that come from here for, for real, for real, because I want us to get the stamp that other cities have got. Kokai, thank you so much for being here. This has been an absolute dream speaking to you. Oh, thank you for sure. And before you head out, some quick news. The D.C. Board of Elections has unanimously ruled that Councilmember Alyssa Silverman did not violate public financing laws with her Ward 3 primary race poll last June. This overturns a previous October ruling from the Office of Campaign Finance. Silverman blames the OCF decision for her election loss in November, and this is her last month as at-large council member. Meanwhile, Maryland's government is pausing the state's participation in a multi-state alliance for vehicle emission standards. That alliance, led by California, includes standards like requiring that manufacturers sell a certain percentage of zero-emission vehicles each year. Maryland has followed California's emissions guidelines for new cars and light trucks since 2007, but is concerned that these latest standards might be tough to stick to. And finally, the D.C. Council is on the verge of passing what they're calling groundbreaking legislation for pets. A new Animal Welfare Act would ban cat declawing and allow judges to consider the well-being of pets in divorce proceedings. The bill is scheduled for a second vote on Tuesday. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell all your music-loving friends? And if they're so inclined, they can rate the show and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.